understanding more clearly what it means to be fulfilled for him personally and what happiness looked like. He got kind of booted out of his first company, doing about a million bucks a year in revenue from his investors, then started flowing around with Crystal in 2014, officially launched it, has now raised $7 million, serving uh, in well north of 2,000 logos, three to 4,000 seats, paying 30 bucks a month. They're flirting with the $100,000 million, sorry, $100, in monthly recurring revenue mark, up about, you know, call it 80, 90% year over year. Churn was really bad at 7% net MRR churn per month. That's down to about 3.5 now as their new cohort is performing really, really well after some product changes. They've got a team in 12 in Nashville, again, building Crystal, really helping people try and understand each other's personality so that everyone can work better with everybody else. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Drew D'Agostino. He is the founder of Crystal for the past three and a half years. He started multiple businesses before then, including an event software company, Attend.com, a pizza box advertising agency, and a bed bug extermination company. He's also a private pilot, songwriter, runner, and local diner regular. Drew, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. All right. So the website is crystalnose.com. Tell us what the company does and how you make money. Sure. Crystal is a personality platform, and we can tell you the best way to communicate with pretty much anyone. Um, so we offer uh, access to a large set of personality data for a few hundred million people. And if you're in sales, management, recruiting, or really any other kind of position where you have to communicate regularly with people you don't know, um, Crystal can help give you lots of information of the best way to communicate to have stronger relationships, um, mostly so, for So is you know, this, Jeremy, is like a sexier version of Strength Finder? Uh, so StrengthsFinder is one of the personality frameworks that you can use to understand people better. Uh, Crystal's really rooted in DISC, which is a pretty similar framework. And the, um, the main difference between a lot of, you know, if you're just taking an assessment online, is that Crystal's actually predicting the personality type versus requiring an assessment from someone. Okay, got it. And what inputs are you using to do the prediction? So we actually train on traditional assessments. So people can take free assessments on our website. But the majority of our profiles come from using that and the combination of machine learning and natural language processing to analyze public data. So social media, emails, resumes, really anything that we can get that users provide that is um, we can detect the writing style for. Okay. So that's how we generate the profile. Just to be clear, though, I mean, th- th- your business is very different if this is a passive thing where the user doesn't have to do a thing versus the user has to upload, you know, X, Y, and Z things. This is something where if I wanted a personality test on you before we just met and I started interviewing you, I could go to Crystal and it would tell me what you're like based off your, your public persona, right? Yep. Okay. And like, what's the risk there that it's not accurate? And I come on expecting an egomaniac and you're actually like humble and shy. We are, so it's not perfect. We have about 83% accuracy confidence across our platform. 
How do you and measure that though? Like, like how do you measure how wrong you were that his ego is not actually 100 points big? It's only 60 points big. So that's based on a, a sample size of a few thousand profiles per month. Okay. And what we do is we compare our personality results to the primary disc type that that person got in a personality assessment. So th- those are the people that take their personality assessments, like just a s- standard straight up questionnaire like people are used to taking. Um, and 83% of the time, we can properly guess what the primary personality type is when they take that assessment. So Crystal, so Crystal will get that about four out of five times accurately. Okay. And how do you make money? What's the, what's the business model? It's all free to use for inside your company. So people that want to understand their coworkers or their boss or like new team members better, um, that's how we grow. So okay, we Drew, I, I, I love you, but now I hate you. I mean, I love them because I love money. I mean, how do you make money? So the people that use it for free, some of those are in recruiting, sales, and management roles. And those people can pay to access Crystal Profiles outside the company. To, to access Crystal Profiles outside the company. Okay, got it. Okay, this is a really interesting model. So you basically have extra leverage when you land an account to quickly expand to their full team because the pitch is it's free. And mm-hmm. what you're thinking is once you're, they're in your ecosystem, it in- increases your data set, which makes the whole system more accurate. And then they pay to go outside. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Now, what do you price it off? Is it, is it like a price per one person they want to go outside or do you sell it in batches or is it a SaaS model? What is it? There's two main revenue streams. One is a pretty standard SaaS model, and that's a $29 a month account to get unlimited access to our tools. So somebody who wants to install our Chrome extension can get access to Crystal Profiles whenever they're looking at LinkedIn, using it in Gmail, and also works with Salesforce and HubSpot. So that's, a, that's about 70% of our revenue. Uh-huh. And then the rest of it comes from API and just pure data partnerships. So, so companies that want to use personality de- data in their own software or if they want to segment customer lists on psychographics, they can just get our, our data without the UI. And they're, they're purchasing like a number of API calls per month or something like that? Yep. It's a, like a monthly subscription service for the data. Interesting. Okay. Give me more of the backstory. When did you launch? Launched the product in March of 2015. When did you start the company though? Um, well, so I started working on the project in September of 2014. Okay. And at the time that was, it was after my last company. And, um, that was a whole big thing where my co-founder and I got fired by our investors. And during that period of time, I was just, wait, you can't just, you can't just blank over that. What do you mean? <laughs> so, so, so you're talking about attend. Yeah. How much had you raised? That we raised, I think about three and a half million at that point. Okay. And, and was it the last round of investors that pushed you out or was it like your first like angel who said you guys should leave we only raised uh we raised two rounds from one venture capital firm okay um so yeah and one. how did that come I mean, describe the phone call or the email or whatever it was i mean how did you see this coming or was it a shock and surprise it was a shock but you could have seen the red flags um the whole thing once it really caught up it was about a week process and I remember the last line of the phone call, which is the last time we, I've heard from them, was the motion has passed. And then we oh. they hung the phone. <laughs> so, Why did, yeah. so did you not have like legal up front? Like you guys didn't have full control of the company in terms of your voting rights on the board or what? Um, we raised our first round when we were both 22. It was our first, our first real experience with this. So we didn't really understand how our terms worked. It was just a you know, million dollars to start a company. Um, and honestly, it wasn't like a bad relationship throughout. It was just, we understood our market at a, at a pretty 
deep level. And the investors saw they had a different vision for it. And they wanted to, they didn't want to be as patient with some specific niches we wanted to go after. So did they crash and burn the thing after they kicked you out? That's obviously what we love to see, right? Is they, <laughs> they, they die and you go, I told you so. You know, the company got bought by another company, except I didn't get any check in the mail. So I, I, I really have no idea. <laughs> so was it, you don't, you didn't have information rights to even know what the exit price was? No, and then they recapitalized the company, so I'm pretty sure I didn't even really own anything of it. So I, I, I honestly have no idea. That is what crazy. What did, before when you when you raised that money, what did the cap table look like? You you had thirty percent, your founder had thirty, and they had like forty percent or what? Uh, we so my co-founder and I started. He was the CEO, so he had we split it up, so he had slightly more than fifty percent, and I had slightly less. Um, and then they came in. I believe by the end, after raising that money, I had, I remember owning something about 20%. Yep. Um, yeah. So your co-founder maybe had like 30-ish or something and the other side had 50? Yeah, something like that. That's crazy. And what was revenue when they kicked you out? I think we were about to hit a million ARR. Okay, so I mean, that's not like, I mean, that's a big deal for a 23, 24-year-old, right? I mean, did you at least create some wealth for yourself? Were you guys paying yourself a healthy salary? Uh, I mean, we... Thought it was healthy at the time. Well, how much? <laughs> we, you, how much were you paying yourself? Actually, we ended, so we ended up around. I think we, we ended up. We started at sixty, ended up at ninety for the couple months preceding the uh, preceding the. That's good. So hopefully you saved a little bit, right? Oh yeah, and it was enough to it was enough to have some runway while I started Crystal, and yep. and it was just I mean, and Crystal was something that I couldn't not pursue. You know, it was one of those things that was keeping me up at night. Yep. So I figured it out. I did some consulting, and while this during like the nine or so months where I wasn't making anything from Crystal. Yeah, I tell you what, you're uh, a nice guy because if that ever happened, I would sue the hell out of these people. I would go at them so hard so that no one ever messed with me ever again. But you seem like you know, a nice guy with good energy, and you don't want to do that. It just wasn't worth the time. We yeah. actually got we we were offered a severance package in exchange for a release, um, but because if we signed that, I wouldn't be able to have this conversation with you at that level of specificity. So yeah, um, I, I prefer I prefer being able to speak That's and story. not filter myself. Well, yeah. I mean, was it like a baloney set? It was like here, here's five grand to never say anything. Uh, no, it was more than that. It was okay, about, about ten times that. But yeah, okay, but yeah. It just you want to be able to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes good sense. All right. Back to Crystal. So you launch in, tw- you start fiddling around with it in kind of 2014. You go full speed. Now, have you raised? I imagine you haven't raised right after that horror story. No, I actually didn't want to raise at all. I, I wanted to just bootstrap the whole thing. So started off, ra- launched the product, had customers secured revenue from day one. Um, and I hired my first employee when we were bootstrapped. Uh, he was actually the best engineer from the last company. Now he's a head of technology. Um, so it was it was revenue from day one, but then I realized that we I was just getting offers for investment like in my inbox for a lot of people because it, it had gotten some publicity. So and it was just an inherently interesting subject. What did you put out publicly? Like, did you put out a public revenue figure, like growth figure or something? No, it was just it got picked up by the Huffington Post on in one article, and then it spread and kind of went it went viral in uh, like a two week period. Not like super viral, but it was it made the cover of Wired eventually. Yeah. That that led to a lot, um, yeah. and I and I realized just as I was meeting these people who were just all like founders or operators themselves, they wanted to put money on their business because they really believed in it. It was just I recognized that this was a very good group of people that were reaching out to me. No, thought, did you raise? I did, yeah. Boom. Okay, wait. How much did you raise? I raised like a five hundred thousand dollars seed round later in that summer. Okay, and what have you um, raised total to date? 
Um, we have raised a total of seven million. So okay, so okay, so you you were like, okay, we raised the first time around. It didn't work out so well, but I'm doing it differently this time. Did do it differently? Yes. You you can't you just please tell me you and your if you have co-founders. I don't have co-founders now. Okay, but you can't lose control of a company, right? No, yeah. So I had several several deal breaker um, terms, especially going in. And the angel round was pretty easy because it was just safe. But going into the Series A, yeah, I I knew what I wanted and wasn't going to move on those. And we are we are lucky to have honestly, like I couldn't be happier with our investors. That's uh, great. Salesforce, Salesforce is our lead investor, and uh, obviously they're a huge, scary company, but they've been like fantastic. Especially, I mean, you know, there's. There's lots of ways that those kinds of strategic relationships can go sideways, but who do you work man, with they've, there? They've been great. So, I mean, John Samorzai leads the group, so we we have worked with him, but specifically, more often, it's Rob Keith and uh, Matt Garrett. Folks, for those of you that want to learn how to go from good to great to totally unstoppable, listen up. Friday, September 28th, that's this month through Sunday the 30th, I want you to invest in yourself and buy a ticket to Relentless MV, a one-of-a-kind exclusive event at Lambert's Cove Inn on Martha's Vineyard, where world-class motivators will help you gain the mental edge to push yourself to the next level and maximize your potential. SaaS founders, you know, we need this. It's a tough world. World-around trainer Tim Grover, retired. Navy SEAL David Goggins, tech entrepreneur and fear guru Patrick Sweeney, and an elite lineup of performance experts will share how they've gained the mental edge that's taken them to the next level and bigger valuations. We also have a very special guest, Red Sox great and Hall of Fame pitcher Pedro Martinez, in case of any, any of you guys are into baseball. It's a great event to learn, become inspired, and to network with other A player attendees. Both weekend and day passes are available, and here's the thing. I told the conference guys, you got to be a great great deal. So they did. As a listener of the podcast, you get a special deal. Use promo code TOP, that's T-O-P, to receive 500 bucks off. I love that. 500 back in your pocket. Visit RelentlessMV.com for more information. Buy now. Limited tickets are available. You don't want to miss out when they sell out. So back to your story. So you, again, launched in, uh, launched in 2014, did a small round. You raised $7 million to date. What have you scaled to in terms of customers? We have about um, just coming up on two thousand customers now. Okay, got it. And and I imagine that's your like your paid number. Do you also obviously have a freemium model? Mm-hmm. How many total people using it altogether? Um, the amount of like total signups is just crossed half a million. But as far as monthly active users, that's in the tens of thousands. Okay, and that two thousand number you gave me is that each seat or that's just total logos? Two thousand accounts. Um, most of those are individuals, but if you were to add up the total number of seats, it's probably, this is a rough estimate, but it's probably in the range of four to 5,000. Okay. So, I mean, if I take just the logos, 2,000 times that $30 price point, that puts you like around 60 grand a month. Is that generally what you're doing right now? Uh, we're doing more than that because a lot of those are, are larger deal sizes. Okay. I was going to say, so, so it might not actually be 2,000 seats. It might be like closer to 3,000. I mean, have you broke a hundred grand in monthly revenue yet? Uh, coming up on it. Okay, good. You think you'll break it this month? Or next month? Uh, within, within three months. Okay, that's good. Now, what have you, um, in terms of growing the, you know, the obviously SaaS company, churn is critical. Tell me about your churn. We used to struggle with churn a lot. Um, How high was it? The, the highest churn got to was consistently seeing seven, seven-ish percent net MRR churn per month. Okay. Um, 
Now we've we pretty much focused for exclusively on that for a year. Yeah. And released a new I've released a new pricing model right at the beginning of this or end of last year. And we're actually able to cut churn. So far the numbers are showing that it's those cohorts are churning at less than half the rate. Um and it's it's really taking over um and taking hold in our revenue growth. So we're still we're still seeing a lot of hangover churn from our old cohorts that are not as um that are not as likely to stay because they signed up for different reasons. Yep. But we, we kind of really boiled it down and it wasn't such a product problem. It was really a packaging problem. Um, we were, we were charging for the wrong things at the wrong amount to the wrong people. What were you, char- so, what were you charging for? We were charging for like 20% of our personality profile, but you get unlimited profiles and then you could unlock the whole thing. But what we realized was that that 20% of the profile actually gave away most of the value and people would upgrade and then downgrade just simply because they didn't need the rest of it. Um, so what we did was ended up giving the whole profile, but just for a limited number of people. And that results in people that are actually using the product very frequently. They upgrade happily because they want to use the product more and they stay. Yeah. Um, so people are upgrading for the right reason. And then we did, we, we did consolidate the pricing, made some things simpler, some minor other improvements, but that was the core thing. We needed people to upgrade for the right reason. And what do you, you know, with, with these economics getting more healthy, what are you growing at, would you say, year over year? So what were you at, you know, you're at, call it south of 100 grand right now on MR. What were you at about 13 months ago? We averaged 2007, we averaged just about 5% um, monthly MRR growth. Okay. So um, what, what's, help me on the math on that. What, what were you guys doing, like, like 30, 40 grand a month 12 months ago? Uh, around there, around yeah, there, around 40. Uh, yeah. Got it. So that's about hundred. I mean, that's about hundred percent year over year growth. A mm-hmm. uh, little less than that. I think we were forty. We were forty and change at the beginning of twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Forty so and this, Yeah. So so this year our projection. Um, my target is to average ten percent month over month revenue growth. We're not there yet, and the reason that we the reason that it's going to take a little while is because we've got a lot of that hangover churn. Um, but I'm pretty confident that by the end of this year, we can hit that number. Monthly. But when you split out and only look at the new cohort, are you seeing north of 10%? Yeah, if I look at the new cohort, it's more like 20 to 30%. Yeah, that's great. That's um, great. So, yeah. Um, last few economics questions uh, before we wrap up with the famous five. What are you paying to acquire new customers? What's your CAC? We don't have any paid acquisition. And we also don't really do outbound sales at this point. Okay. So CAC is, CAC is very low. Um, and well, how are people finding you? Is it just the natural, like people inviting their own teams? Mm-hmm. It's that internal, it's the internal company based model. Yep. So when one, when one person gets it, we get, you know, we'll, we'll see a random company blow up with like 50 people signing up at once. And then of those 50 people, the salespeople and recruiters, they either reach out or they just start using the tools and upgrade. Yeah. So. And what is the, what do you assume lifetime, like assuming a little, you know, your turn off is obviously changing rapidly going down, but what do you assume lifetime value is on these accounts? LTV, I can give you our average. Yeah, that'd be um, great. It is on self-service accounts. LTV is just under 600. Okay. And what, what's, I assume your average is probably higher than that on the larger accounts, right? Yeah, that's, that's a little hard to measure. I can't do that right now. Okay. All <laughs> right. What are you looking at? Are you looking at, you use bare metrics or something? I use ChartMogul. ChartMogul. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. And um, okay, good. Uh, last few questions here. So what's your team size today? We are 12 people right now. And where's home? Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville. I love it. All right, good. Yeah. Nashville, Tennessee, 12 people. And then um, what do you assume, like how quickly do you like to get, I mean, I guess you don't really have CAC, so you don't have to look at pay that periods, right? Yeah. That's it. So we, we, it's not really that important to us. However, we're, um, we're, 
with this latest round of funding that we raised, the, the plan is to build out the growth side of the company a little bit more. Um, we, we, we're we're going to start to get our act together and uh, have a have a, a real sales team. When did so. you when did you raise last round of funding and how much was it for? Uh, just a month and a half ago, we raised five million dollars. Five million bucks. Okay, and yeah. and um, you probably obviously keep this close to the best, but it would be valuable learning if you share. I mean, valuation wise, were you able to get like a four, five, six x multiple on AR, or, or how'd you negotiate that? Um, so AR, it, we got a very good valuation. I can't disclose details on it, but um, it was it was a pretty significantly high multiple, mostly because it was competitive process. Yeah, you, you created a nice bidding war. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like can can we say can, can we say north of ten million valuation? Is that fair? Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, so to say, if you're raising five, I know you're not selling fifty percent of your company, so it's got to be well north of, of of ten, which is well north of a ten x multiple you're currently doing. So you had you definitely had some good social pressures happening inside of that bidding process. Yeah. Now here's yeah. a question for you: Do you ever worry about growing into that valuation? Um, do I worry about it? Oh well, yeah. I mean. We it's kind of like the, the trajectory here that we've signed up for. Um, yeah. I'm very confident we will because we it, Crystal's an interesting business in that we have this like very big kind of sexy vision that we can project where it's true. It's like kind of why I do this. I want everybody to have a handbook for how to work with everybody else. Um, I think that is ultimately going to be good for like millions of people. That's the big far off vision, kind of what we're working towards. But in the process, because of the pressure we put on with the bootstrapping in the beginning, um, we've got this revenue model that works. It doesn't work great yet. Like we're not, you know, it, it's, it's not growing, you know, two, 300% year over year, but we've got the, the core of it working. And with some optimization, we're going to grow into that, into that valuation relatively quickly. Um, so well, I mean, just to be fair, I- like, like companies like you with your economics, Right now, yeah. I mean, they're selling, there are corporate buyers that are selling and they're p- paying, call it an average of maybe three to five X, even on the high end of these deals. I mean, you are well north of a 10 X valuation. I mean, you have to like, I mean, you, I mean, again, the way I think about this and I always wonder about you're, you're, I think you're probably my age, right? You're like 29, 30, uh, 27. Yeah. 27. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like if you were offered today, it sounds like you own most of the company, a $5 million offer for the company. You could take that as quick momentum, right? Use that cash to then double down on the same vision in a new company. What you've done now, though, since you've raised so much, I mean, you can't sell the company really for less than 10, 15 million for anyone, mm-hmm. including yourself, to see a good return. So I just, that's what I always wonder about is how people that are young, especially, determine opportunity costs on these kinds of things. It was a really fun learning year last year. Like I remember, like when I mentioned there was a competitive process, it was definitely a, uh, I learned a lot about what the next three years of the company could look like and what acquisitions down the road could look like and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and ultimately what came down for me was, you know, I didn't feel done with it. And I think the, the, the overall mission of what we're trying to accomplish, like, it's very big and I don't really want to be working on anything else for the next three years. So, I mean, we've had, we've had opportunities to sell the company and it just makes so much more sense to me to be working on this because I don't, I don't see anything else that's more exciting to be working on at the moment. It's a great reason, Um, Drew. It's a good reason. All right, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's the last business book that you read? Um, not a business book, but in the process of reading, um, how to do things with words, it's more of a philosophy book that's aligned with my business. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, I read Jeff Bezos's annual letters religiously. Number three, what's your favorite online tool? 
Uh, I live in Chartmogul. <laughs> so to say, literally, you're in it right now. Yeah. Number yeah. number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Hours of sleep. Yep. Eight. And what's your situation? Married, single? You have kids? Single. Single and, and no kids that you know of, right? No kids. <laughs> and, and you said you're 27. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? What do I wish my 21, my 20 year old self knew? Um, I wish he knew how much money he needed. And not, yeah, <laughs> just more specifics around what he needed in his life, financially, health-wise, relationally. I think there was a lot of there was a lot of misconceptions I had about what would make me feel fulfilled, and uh, and I chased a, wasted a lot of time. There you guys have it from Drew, understanding more clearly what it means to be fulfilled for him personally, and what happiness looked like. He got kind of booted out of his first company, doing about a million bucks a year in revenue there from his investors. Then started flowing around with Crystal in 2014, officially launched it, has now raised. $7 million serving uh, in well north of 2,000 logos, three to 4,000 seats, paying 30 bucks a month. They're flirting with the 100 million, sorry, $100,000 in monthly recurring revenue mark, up about, you know, call it 80, 90% year over year. Churn was really bad at 7% net MRR churn per month. That's down to about 3.5 now as their new cohort is performing really, really well after some product changes. They've got a team in 12 in Nashville, again, building Crystal, really helping people try and understand each other's personality so that everyone can work better with everybody else. Drew, thank you for taking us to the top. All right. Thanks, Nathan.